And welcome back to another edition of On the Board Sports. I am your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. Will C, coming to you from Gotham Podcast Studios in Manhattan, New York. And joining me via FaceTime audio is the one and only Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Sean T. Sean, how are you? Well, I am doing pretty good on this hump day. Will, there's only one living thing better than me and you on a Wednesday. Do you know what that is, Will? What is that, Sean? What is it? It is a camel on hump day. That's what it is. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. It's great. It's a great thing, man. Absolutely. Every, you know, it's always always like that. Every Wednesday, you always mention that. So I got to just remember that. <laughs> awesome. On that note, uh, joining us in studio is a very special guest. He works for MSG Networks, and he is an insider for the 2K League and front office sports. I'm talking with the one and only Jeff Eisenband. Jeff, how are you? I'm spectacular. I've now two two days this week. I've been in Gotham Podcast Studio, so I feel welcome here. And I, you know, we were. I was talking. I was. I've been seeing your clips everywhere. So I'm glad to to be here right now. Absolutely, man. Thank you for coming on and joining the program. No problem. You know, Jeff, I get. I got to see you at the outside game back in early September. Yep. And, you know, you were on a panel and you were talking and everything like that. And the one thing that impressed me was the way how you went about your business and the way how you asked your questions to the said panel. Now, I believe it was who? Uh, it was, it uh, was Pac-Man Jones was and pa- Keith Bullock were on the panel. Gotcha. I was th- I was almost about to say uh, Jade for a second. Uh, he used to play the linebacker for the Giants. Yeah. I yeah. thought I thought you were you were up there, but you're right. You were up there with Pac-Man Jones and Keith Bullock crazy time yeah they also record here at gotham yep yep keith bullock and don povia from the outside game they they just banged out a bunch of podcasts so plug them yeah absolutely they're they're great in their own right man but before we move on bro how did you get into the sports world number one and then number two like what what was like your favorite thing you know doing doing this yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we only have so much time. I'm not going to bore yeah. you. Yeah, you're on a, you know, I don't want to give you a whole hour long story, but I always go back to sophomore year. I went to Mamaroneck High School out in Westchester County, and I walked into school first day of, of class, sophomore year, mm-hmm. video class on the easel, uh, public access television. Larchmont Mamaroneck is looking for play by a play by play broadcaster for the homecoming football game. I was like, this is what I'm destined for, you know, and so I. I um, submitted my name. I don't know if any anyone else did. Uh, I did play-by-play for that first game. Didn't know what the heck I was doing. But, you know, that kind of started my learning from that. So right. from there, uh, you know, knew I wanted to be into journalism. Uh, realized there were specific colleges that focused on journalism. Northwestern was one that I circled. Um, you know, Big Ten Sports, along with great journalism, the Wilbons, Greenies. Jay Donde, mm-hmm. you know, Rachel Nichols, you can go on and on. So I, I realized that was where I wanted to be, went there, studied journalism my freshman year. Um, going back to my senior year of high school, I was uh, freelancing for the postgame.com, Yahoo Sports site. And from there, um, my freshman year of college, I got a call in January of my freshman year. And my editor said, hey, can you get to Indianapolis next week? I said, why? He said, we have an extra Super Bowl media day and Super Bowl pass. And this was the second Giants-Patriots Super Bowl. I said, you know, however I can get there, I'm going to get there. Looked at the mega bus schedule. Next thing I knew, I was going to Indy, uh, 18 years old, covering that that Super Bowl, coming back and forth between class and Indianapolis. Um, and from there, I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. Right. Um, 
So got out of college, worked at the post game for about three years. And for the past year, I've been freelance broadcast. Uh, you mentioned MS3 Networks and, um, and uh, the NBA 2K League have really been my two most prominent gigs in the last year. Absolutely. And the NBA 2K League is about to take off. You yeah, know. I, I sure hope so. It, well, it is. I mean, the future of esports is actually coming into its own. Uh, Jeff, you know, you get to see everything going on in the world between having to see athletes playing sports yep. almost every day. And then with this whole future wave of esports, uh, what's your take on esports in general? Well, I think that, you know, you talk about me being able to see both. And one thing that I've noticed is athletes, you grew up, I mean, what did you want to do when you grew up? I wanted to be basically a basketball player. Yeah. I wanted to be a basketball player. I, I think that's, I wanted to play shortstop for the Yankees. Right. Like, that's what I, I think most people grew up on. And so these, you know, the elite level athletes, you can track them 13 years old, AAU. I mean, these guys have been interviewed by scout.com, all of those, you know, scouting websites from the time they they could, you know, got to high school on for the most part. Right. A lot of these esports athletes, it wasn't like that. You know, they played esports, they played video games as a hobby, and all of a sudden, now you have this situation where they're at the forefront mm-hmm. of, you know, for some guys, it's big money. For some guys, like the NBA 2K League players, I mean, now you're employed by an NBA organization. So for me, the coolest part about it has been watching just the different growth and the different sort of... Um, you know, feeling of being in the spotlight where you go from guys who have been interviewed since they were 13 to guys who all of a sudden are professional esports athletes at, say, age 23 and have never been interviewed before. Right. You know, I've been working – when I was working at LaGuardia Airport, I remember I saw a couple people from the Milwaukee Bucks, not them act- – No, e- Bucks esports. Gaming, I'm sure. Bucks yeah. Gaming, right. I've seen them walking through. I'm like, holy shit, this is crazy. This is an actual thing. You know, and they travel. Have you ever traveled with these with yeah, these teams? Uh, yeah, I've been. Um, so we had uh, last year, season two, this the season that just passed, we had two tournaments, one in Vegas, one in Orlando. So took the show on the road a little bit outside of New York. All other competition has been in New York right. City. So for me, I just take the subway. Mm-hmm. But these teams are traveling. These teams train. The NBA 2K League teams train in their home cities. Um, and then they play games either in New York or, as I said, two tournaments in Vegas and Orlando. And it's interesting seeing the way people react to these guys when they're out there. Like they don't even know, um, you know, T-Wills Gaming did a great piece uh, in Vegas where they had players on the street basically saying, what do you know about the NBA 2K League? And some people were like nothing. And some people were like, holy crap. You know, I've been watching you guys on Twitch. Right. And it's crazy how everything has been taken off, man. You know, moving from the esports world to the actual NBA games yep. being played. Both New York teams, I know you alluded to you being a Knicks fan. I'm an objective journalist, let's put it that way. Okay. But but yes, my my I have obviously MSG networks and on top of that grew up born and raised a Knicks fan. Right. So you got to see a lot of down down times like any other Knicks fan would. We grew up during the same time. I am a Lakers fan. Wow. How, I, how did that end up happening? My uncle, but that's okay. a long long story short. He was watching an NBA game when I was hanging out with him, watching the Lakers, and that's how I became a Laker fan. He was a Laker fan, so I became a Laker fan. <laughs> and I went to a couple of Knicks games myself when I was younger, and I was like, you know what? I'm just sticking with the Lakers, and that's it. But that's why they're here nor there, bud. Sean is actually a Nets fan. Okay. so That's right. You know, that's right. Just to get your take on the whole New York uh, New York basketball scene right now, yeah. Jeff, what what – What's been your whole overall synopsis of the season so far? I mean, we could start with the the Knicks. You know, it's a um, 
I don't think I think everyone's aware you make that trade you, you trade Porzingis like you did last year. Um, you're trying to create cap space for this offseason. The Knicks didn't necessarily um, get the players that they wanted. So you're filling that cap space with uh, a, a guys like Marcus Morris, guys like, um, you know, Bobby Portis and Taj Gibson and a lot of veterans that, uh, you know, still can provide right. something. And I think there's a lot of I don't think anyone, you know, listen, the Knicks, they're playing with more heart in the last week or two mm-hmm. than a lot of people expected. So you see where this team goes. But um, I think it's a low expectation team that's, you know, hope that's fighting for David Fisdale's job right now. Um, on the other side, the Nets. It's always tough when you have a guy like Kevin Durant who you're paying the money that you're paying and you know he's not going to play because you're basically paying, and you see it with Golden State right now, with Clay and Steph, they have double the problem on the bench. When you have a max player missing the whole season, you're playing with you know a certain percentage of your salary cap absent during the year. So that's a lot on a big load on Kyrie Irving's shoulders. You had to give up a lot to get Kevin Durant. Um, I think we saw a lot of a lot more energy at the beginning of the season from the Nets than the last couple games and i think part of that is Kyrie being sidelined um but i think uh you know i think with this, it's the same thing that the nets expectations shouldn't be as high as maybe they were at the beginning of the year the eastern conference is not a power conference by any means the nets can make the playoffs they can hover around 500 for the year mm-hmm. they can be the sixth to eight seed and to me that's a successful season for the nets but um i definitely think you're seeing this team struggle without Kyrie. Uh-oh, and just and 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 that's true, you know. Um, you know, um, him being hurt, uh, the past couple of games, you know, um, you know, and we have not played well on the defensive side mm-hmm. yet this year. Mm-hmm. We gave up 115 to the Pacers. Well, it seems like every the game Pacers. they wanted to have a shootout every game to start the season. Right, right, right. Like we were giving up like 115, 118, 122, like every game. So, but Jeff, my question to you is, um, to go back to the. Uh, NBA league um, for one um, uh, uh, second, Jeff. I actually started following it last year, and I follow obviously the Nets crew. I was gonna say because the Nets were an expansion team this year. Maybe that's it's, what got you in. Yes, and definitely was. And I wonder, do you know someone named um, uh, King Kurt? Of course, OG, OG King, King Kurt, head coach OG and general King manager for Nets Gaming. For Nets Gaming, right? So I actually met him. He's a real cool guy, and. Seeing how they did and seeing them play against, you know, like the Pacers gaming, the Mavs gaming, mm-hmm. Timberwolves gaming, so on and so forth, it really got me in. So my question for you is now that they're coming back for season two, what are your expectations for the Nets in terms of the uh, 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 2K league? Because I know there was a draft about a month ago, a month and a half back, there was a, a 2K draft, if I'm not um, so there was there was an exp- so the and so Nets gaming crew is going to be in their second season third season overall for the NBA 2K league and so they they already had some roster turnover um you right. know they uh they traded Nate Call who was their first pick in the expansion draft a year ago they they got a they actually traded him to the Pacers who you mentioned before and they got a first round pick out of that uh Pacers were a playoff team so it's kind of uh it's a little bit down in the first round but they they did that. They kept a guy named two guys, Shuttles and Wavy, from season one. Um, right. But they're gonna there's gonna be some turnover on that team and that team in particular. Uh, for those NBA 2K League fans, you know, and I've talked with OG King Kurt about it. Great guys, high character team. Um, a lot of popular guys within the NBA 2K League community were on that team in season one. 
but they didn't necessarily have a star. Like I said, Nate Call was their best player. He's a think about you know think about a, like a Patrick Beverly or a Tony Allen in his prime. Like that that's Nate Call. That's great to have, but it can't be your best player. So uh, so the Nets made some moves and they'll be looking for more scoring. And I know OG King Kurt, uh, like I said, well really well respected guy in the community. So you know there's a lot of players who want to play for him. Right, right. Um. My question in terms of the on-the-court team, I agree with you. It's tough paying Kevin Durant as much as we're paying him to just have him come and watch the games. But um, my question for you is, you know, obviously guys are hurt, so on and so forth. Do you – um? I know it's early in the year, but do you – but what do you – but the job that Kenny Atkinson mm-hmm. has done, do you think he should maybe fine-tune the starting five? Do you think he's doing a good job? I know guys haven't heard, but in, but in terms of the early season coaching job he's done, what do you think? I mean, you know, I think first of all, you're looking at Kenny, the body of work that he's had the last couple of years. Like what he did with that Nets team last year, I thought was pretty incredible. Um, it's right. like, exactly. you know, it's that sort of this happens with coaches. This happens with Brett Brown in, in Philly. Um, and sometimes you get guys who it might happen with David Fisdale in a, in a year or two where you don't have the talent and everyone's on your Brad Stevens too at the beginning. It's wow. Look what this, this coach is doing, getting the most out of his players. And now all of a sudden everyone's saying, all right, Kenny, you've got a star in Kyrie Irving. You've got, you know, a, a great team. How are you going to adjust to that? Um, I think there's like, I look at the nets and I look at guys like they were able to keep while signing these two, I know they lost to Angela Russell, but being able to keep guys like Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, um, Spencer Dinwiddie, guys who really gave you a lot last year and you know that you can you can compete for a playoff spot with those guys on your back. Um, right. You know, I think that, that, that that's a big help. And I think that it's not it's definitely not emergency time for the Nets. You know, even a lot of the games that they've lost, they've been right in. Um, right. you know, look at that Grizzlies game at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I mean, right. um, at the buzzer, right? Yeah. So, and the, and the T-Wolves game. So, you know, this is, it's still not enough of a body of work. And I think that, you know, we, you just, it's hard as a coach and this is not making excuses for Kenny, but when you, you're game planning with and without Kyrie, it moves back and forth. And I know he's just one player, but it's all, it's a big game plan change. So, you know, it's almost like as a coach, I feel like you'd rather hear, all right, are you going to be out for a while or not? So I, I can figure it out. But um, <laughs> I just think the Nets, the, the, the luxury that the Nets have of being in the Eastern Conference is they just need to hang around that playoff spot. And who knows if Kevin Durant is going to show back up and put on a uniform in April. And if you can put yourself in that position where you're the six or seven seed, you know, if you can get past the eight and, you know, you can maybe play a team other than Boston or Milwaukee in the first round, who knows? What I love hearing about, especially now in the New York media, is that we get to hear all these crazy storylines mm-hmm. going on. And the best storylines are the ones that you hear about the players, yep. for example, right? With the Nets, with Kyrie Irving, per se. And this is why I love, and I mean this sarcastically, <laughs> in this sense, like, we got to talk about mood swings, we really had to talk about mood swings. And it's 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 real. It's real. It's been well documented in, in past events with Kyrie. But when you look at it, it's like it's a team game. Start start talking about the team. Don't don't magnify this guy's problems and be like, oh well that's the end all be all. No, it's it because they have a high scoring offense, you know, they're not playing the defensive style of ball. And on top of that, 
you know, it's just the first couple of games, like you said, Jeff and Sean, they were in it. They were in most of these games. But, but the the high scoring, and listen, that's not necessarily Kenny Atkinson basketball. That's not what he's been doing. Right. That's Kyrie Irving basketball, which you you change the game because you have Kyrie Irving on your team. And now you're saying, all right, we got a guy who can score better than what? Other than, you know, maybe seven, eight guys in the yes. league, Kyrie Irving can score better than them. So when you're playing a team like Memphis, you're just saying, all right, give Kyrie the ball and try to let him go off. Um, so I, I mean, I, I think that you know, you talk about the 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 off the court issues with Kyrie and everyone in Boston is basically saying, all right, Nets, you know, enjoy. Uh, and Kyrie, it goes back to what I was saying about these guys, like in the in the NBA, who've been celebrated since AAU. And Kyrie Irving's an example of a guy who, I mean, you can go up and down the list. You know, top high school recruit goes to Duke. You know, top guy at Duke doesn't even play that much and ends up as the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. And he had a chip on his shoulder when they brought in LeBron. You know, Kyrie was like, I'm I'm me. And I think that he was able to I think Kyrie's been the same guy. I think that when he played behind LeBron, he just you know, he could be making saying the same things he's saying now right in that locker room and the media's like, We got LeBron in this corner. We don't really care what you have to say, Kyrie. And then he goes to Boston, all of a sudden it's it's oh my god! This guy, you know, thought the Earth was flat. Let's magnify that a little bit. I guess yeah. that wasn't his last year in Cleveland that he said that. But we'll see. I, I think that Durant coming back would help, um, whether Kyrie likes it or not, take right. some of the weight not just on the on court stuff, but take some of that off the court. Everything off the court with the Nets is Kyrie Irving right now. Everything. Absolutely, and you know, you get to see where they are right now. They're ninth overall in the Eastern Conference, a half game back of that eighth spot. And there's plenty of basketball to be played. We all know that. The Knicks, on the other hand, you know. Plenty of basketball. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, know, you never know. You never know. They might find themselves, but they've, they're ranked dead last in scoring just about in overall points per game with like nine, almost under 100 points. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know they've been winning over the past couple of games, but it's just not a good look for them. And when you hear, Jeff, in, 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 with the stories and everything like that that have gone on, as far as front office management goes, okay, mm-hmm. we, we've we seen it now for the past 20 years with Isaiah Thomas being here. Then they get then they get uh, Donnie Walsh. Donnie Walsh was probably the best GM they, they've had in that 20-year span. And then what happened? They wound up letting him go. You know, they get uh, – they bring in Phil Jackson. Phil didn't, Phil didn't really do anything. He was really meant to be a coach, but – they brought in Derek Fisher. That didn't work out. Jeff Hornacek. That didn't work out. Now you have uh, Scott Mills and and Perry here. You know it, it's just not not working. It, it's not working. What what is the deal? Is it something like the Clippers a decade ago with Donald Sterling? Is James Dolan the Donald Sterling here in this situation? What's going on? Well, the you know basketball is hard also in that there's only what there's a handful of guys in the league that can you know, drive you to a championship. Right. And look at baseball. The Nationals lose Bryce Harper. They win the World Series. I mean, that doesn't have... Something like that is more difficult to happen in basketball. It's not like the Nationals replaced Bryce Harper with a superstar. They had they, they did not add a superstar. They had from, depth. They had depth. They had there. a depth. But, but basketball, you know, if you miss... You, you set yourself up. You go into free agency. You try to get guys. And if you don't get them... You know, that that's where the problem lies. It, Donnie Walsh just wants... I mean, I remember the day that Zach Randolph 
and Jamal Crawford got traded, I believe, on the same day, two different trades. One was with the Clippers, one with the one was with the Warriors. And I remember as a Knicks fan just thinking, all right, it's they're planning for a year and a half. It was a year and a half away from the LeBron, the, the, what they ended up getting, Amari Stoudemire right. and ultimately Carmelo Anthony. But it was a year and a half away from that. And sometimes in basketball, you see it with the 76ers, you see it. You know, look at the Clippers, right? They bring in Kawhi and Paul George right now. That is a year and a half long process that started the day that they traded Blake Griffin. Right? They get rid of, or they they got rid of Chris, excuse me, two years before because they got rid of Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. They got rid of Blake Griffin during the two seasons ago during the season yeah they get rid of deandre jordan after that season i mean this was a two-year they bring in tobias harris just to trade him for a piece and then they're finally able you know to to make this splash so basketball can be a, a tactical game uh from the front office management in terms of that and what happens is when you miss you miss badly and this is what i think you know that you're looking at that a little bit here but i you know it goes back to the the Knicks, I think people are going to be restless because of New York, you know. That's that's it's like New York, that, right? Like this, what what? And I think you know, New York fans are a little spoiled uh, because we have teams like the Yankees that, in a non-salary cap league, you do what you can to get the team, and you can compete every year, right? Well, with if, the exception of luxury tax, but that's but, but that doesn't this, right. I don't think that that even comes. You know, when you're looking at the t- this is New York. Mm-hmm. Look at the the ticket sales, the merchandise. These teams are making money hand over fist. I agree. So you know, if if you took away the salary cap from the NBA, I guarantee you the Knicks, Bulls, and Lakers would be competing for a championship every year. But this is what happens in basketball. So you need to figure out you know your margins and you need to figure out how to how to be tactical and i'm sure in the next front office they're looking around and thinking you know how can we get to a point in two or three years we can be back competing and it starts in the draft right yeah absolutely and just and you stole my thunder because i was just about to go the draft everybody hated or yeah everybody hated the five-year run uh, Golden State did. Oh, the Warriors always win. The Warriors always win. But Jeff, I think what people forget is that the Warriors did it the right way. Steph mm-hmm. Curry was a draft pick. Steph Clay Thompson was yeah. a draft pick. Draymond Green was a draft pick. Second and round these draft guys pick. Weren't, right. And these guys weren't top five picks. Steph was seven. Clay was like 12. And like you said, Jeff, anybody in the first round could have took Green. Nobody mm-hmm. did. And they got him a second round. So I feel like that's been the Knicks a problem because when you have a Donovan Mitchell in the draft, you take Frank Nim and Nilla, uh, you know, and Westchester guy, Donovan right. Mitchell, not Frank. Right, right, right. And, and, and it's like just in the draft where you think you could get Steph, you could get Steph. The Knicks get the eighth pick and Golden State takes them where seven. And then who did the Knicks take? Jordan Hill. And it's just like, I feel like, Jeff, the Knicks can get out of their own way um, um, uh, sometimes, whether it's a bad trade, a bad move, so on and so forth. So to get to to finally get to my uh, question now, David Fisdale, obviously yep. a week ago, ever saying, "Oh, wait, no, he's he's on the hot seat. He's on the hot seat now. They've played better in the last like three, four um, um games. Do you think it's fair that if he is on?" the hot seat that, that he should even be there because one everybody knew the Knicks were going to tank uh, uh, last year and number two everybody thought 
or hope that the Knicks would get one star or two stars, and they got none. So it's almost like you put him in a situation that was really bad in his first year, and then in his second year, you didn't get him the players that you know everybody thought they would have. So if he is on the and I'd see, do you think it's fair that he is? Um, I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm going to dance around the question a little bit because I'm going to say this, that I think a lot of people were alarmed that, right, Steve Mills and Scott Perry had that press conference a few games right. back, um, which was, by the way, right after a loss at home to a Cavs team that the Knicks annihilated at home the other night. And there was a response from David Fisdale on this group. The Knicks lost by a point to the Hornets. They could be on a three-game winning streak right now. Um, I know going into a, a game against the 76ers tonight, but um, the uh, you know there's um, or is I go oh the the uh, the whole Fisdale um, you know and it's a. Uh, He's. It's hard to put a coach in this situation right now, right? You mentioned that the Knicks didn't have the pieces last year. They haven't exactly grown this year. And I think that the reason that you hired David Fisdale in the first place is he is a player's coach to to the degree that, right, he's he's one of LeBron's favorite, LeBron James's favorite people in the entire NBA. He was an assistant coach with that Heat team. You know, that, that Grizzlies team loved him. Even when he was fired, there was there, there was a whole upcry there. So it, it, it seems like, and you saw Kristaps Porzingis, even all the problems that he had embracing David Fisdale, and he never played a game for him after the last game. So I think that the answer to your question is I don't necessarily think it's fair, but I will give the Knicks credit that since the front office called him out, it it's worked, right? This team has responded, and whether they're playing for him or however you can get those victories, whatever you need to do, you do it. Absolutely, to say the very least right there, Jeff. Well said on that one. You know, you look at, too, you look at where the league is in general outside of the Knicks and the Nets. The Lakers right now have the best record in the Western Conference by by far, bar none. Then the Houston Rockets, you know, with what they're doing right now, being 11-3. and three. Uh, Jeff, you know, you look at everything going on in the West right now. I mean, it's kind of, can you say it's somewhat shocking that the Lake? No, everybody had the Lakers being the top five team. Okay, Houston with their ongoing situation right now with Westbrook and Harden being there, and you know they just go out there and play. They play the games. Has there been a surprise team so far in the NBA this year for you? Um, I was thinking you might kind of we might talk about that before, and I think one team that jumps out to me is the Phoenix Suns. Uh, what they've done, just being a competitive team right. in an extremely competitive Western Conference, that that was one, you know, when I was looking up and down the West, I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, you know, good teams are going to be left out of the playoffs. Right. And um, and the Suns were not one of those good teams that I expected to be left out of the playoffs. And now you're seeing, um, I think Devin Booker's gone from just being a high-volume guy that fills the stat sheet great in your daily fantasy team, but mm-hmm. isn't actually you know, relevant toward the playoff race, all of a sudden he's doing something with that team from a scoring perspective. And I think a lot of people are giving credit uh, to, and well, I should mention Kelly Oubre also uh, maybe needed the change of scenery to Phoenix to be a guy out there. That team's playing free. DeAndre Ayton too, not being there kind of, it's not a good, that's not a good thing for him to be suspended like that, but still. But maybe that's why, you know, they're opening up the floor. And the guy that people really have been pointing to is Ricky Rubio. 
as and Ricky Rubio. I mean, I was thinking about it right. He's uh, he's getting up there. Mm-hmm. Not, not he's not old, but it, it, the the ship has sailed on Ricky Rubio as the young prodigy who's going to change NBA point guard play forever. With that said, he's a guy that was needed with this Phoenix team that we talk about every year. They draft another small forward or another power forward in the draft and they finally got this point guard piece that works right and this is years upon years of having point guards coming coming through there like for example Isaiah Thomas when Isaiah Thomas was here in Phoenix a couple of years ago and now with everything that has gone on and they even had uh, Eric Bledsoe there too over the majority of uh, of his time but that's whether here nor there, Jeff. The bottom line is you have a guy in Ricky Rubio right now, too, that he's learned over the course of his time in the NBA where he was the prodigy coming out in 2012, being this young young kid, up-and-comer. Up and didn't really pan out that well with Minnesota. And he goes over to the Jazz, you know, finds his way with the Jazz a little bit the past couple of years. And now with... Almost in a certain situation that these young kids are in right now, Devin, the Devin Bookers of the world. Hell, you want to put DeAndre Ayton out there and Kelly Oubre. You know, they, he can teach these guys, say, hey, look, listen, this is the way how the league works. I've been there. I know what it's like. And for them to start off the way how they have is just absolutely pretty good. Well, I think Ricky Rubio needed... Uh, you know, if you remember, he was really disappointed that he got traded from Minnesota to Utah. At the time, it took him off guard. Um, he felt like, uh, you know, the Timberwolves had turned a corner with Carl Anthony Towns. Um, and remember, that was they were opening up the space for Jimmy Butler and they brought in Jeff Teague. But all of a sudden, right as that team was about to compete and he had paid his dues with that team, they shipped him off. Uh, but I think it was also sort of, uh, all right, now I'm in Utah and now I'm kind of trying to find my place to st- you know to stay in this league. I mm-hmm. thought I was going to be a superstar and with Utah um first he had to remember he had to win his place against Dante Exum. You know, this yeah. was uh it was a it was a different time when he got to Utah and then he became a part of a playoff team. Uh you know, I don't think people saw Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert come in the way that they they did when he got there and and shout out to Joe Ingles. But now you're looking at Ricky Rubio who said, "All right, I'm going to give you you know, I'm going to be your assist guy, but I'm also going to uh, try to be a better scorer than Rajon Rondo and figure out my spots on the court. And I can be a great third or fourth best guy right. on a team. Um, and maybe the Suns aren't, you know, Ricky Rubio, may, the Suns might not be the last stop for him. You know, maybe there's a team like, you know, think about a, a team like the Lakers or someone who could really use him right now. You know, right. I mean, how would the Lakers, the Lakers would talk about, you said they're, they're one of the best teams already, but how would they be with Ricky Rubio? We don't, we don't know. That's the thing. We don't know. I mean, with the pieces that are there already in place right now, with Rajon Rondo being there, Alex Caruso is having an unbelievable season being the guy, you know, as far as like the hype man goes and everything like that. That's, he's a hype man. He's a hype man. Let's love the Alex Caruso stuff. I love watching him. Right. But like. It's fun. It's not going to be. It's not going to last. No, uh, scouting reports will definitely come creeping up on him, and teams are going to want to play him the way how they're going to play him. You know, that's that's ultimately the way how it is. But uh, as far as like we talked about surprises, Phoenix is a surprise for you. Disappointment. Oh man, disappointing. Well, team I mean, so far. I mean, Portland's been 
the the go to disappointing team so far. And, and they had to sign Melo too. They but but it's just and now today Pal Gasol uh, basically is Got not going to play this year. Right. Um, you know, the, there wasn't that much different. I mean, first of all, people are Yusuf Nurkic. You know, you now see just what he meant to that team. Mm-hmm. Um, they still managed to make the Western Conference Finals without him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they had Ennis Cantor. They thought they had Hassan Whiteside to fill in the role, and you feel like, what's the window on this team? I'm sure there are people in Portland that said the only thing that got in the way of us making the NBA Finals last year was Golden State, and they're gone. You know, this should be, we should be right there at the forefront with these guys, and they're just not there. Um, And as I said, it's a jam-packed Western Conference, so if you're off the boat now, it's going to be tough to get back on. And, And by the way, Carmelo Anthony's not the the answer. Right, he's not. This. He's not. But, you know, they, they need somebody to score the ball, in a sense. And everybody and their own mother's like, oh, why is he in the league? Is he getting blackballed? This, isn't that. Well, he's on Portland now. And the reason why he's wearing double O is because he's double O seven. Yes. And I think, <laughs> I mean, we could go back to, we talked about Kyrie and a guy like, like Carmelo put up that whole double O seven thing and everything like that. It's mm-hmm. like, how long were you waiting this long to post this? What was it like? Um, I thought Carmelo impressed at points yesterday. Um, I, you know, I said he was taking Cayenne to school last week, and now all of a sudden he is taking jump shots in the starting lineup for the Portland Trailblazers. And you want to talk about? I don't know if we're, I'm ready to call Carmelo Anthony the Alex Crusoe of the Portland Trailblazers, but you want to talk about a guy whose place in the league is being a hype guy off the bench and giving you volume scoring. Right, he's the guy. He can dominate second units. Um, he's not going to be the, the the answer in Portland, and he's got to accept his role. He's he, got to accept his role. He's got to, and, and we'll see if he does. I think he's been humbled in the last year, but it's and it's not. You know, I'm not going to say I, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, Damian Lillard's got to carry. Damian Lillard's carrying this squad. He is doing. If you watch that team, he is doing everything he possibly That's right. can. Uh, C.J. McCollum, uh, lovable guy in the league, so you don't want to hate on him, but he isn't necessarily pulling his weight this year. And then that front court is just thin. It's just thin. Mm-hmm. Hassan Whiteside is not providing what you want, what you needed, and Yusuf Nurkic isn't coming back anytime soon. Absolutely, and they they they're sitting right now with a five and ten record. So, and and the uh, the eighth seed over there, they're they're three games out of that eighth spot. Again, anything can happen from here on out to April. But those are your those are your you know upset you know your disappointments and your surprises sean go ahead i know you want to talk yeah um uh, i'm gonna make this all quick jeff um and it's funny because damian littered against the net scored 60 every loss so it's just like that's amazing <laughs> by the way i i was not watching that game live and i logged onto twitter and i was like holy crap dame really you know got crushed the nets and then i looked it didn't say it said 60 point game it didn't say and lost and lost. Yeah, that is like really crazy. But I think two surprise teams, Jeff, and I want your take on this. I think that Toronto mm-hmm. is a surprise team because obviously Kawhi left and Danny Green left and they're nine and four. Do you think like actually I'll um I'll, um I'ma say uh, both of the um both of the teams. Um Toronto is the first team and the Miami Heat mm. they are the second team. I didn't think the Heat were going to be this good. I know it's early on, but, you know, so far, Jimmy Butler, he looks good. And Bam out of 
Bayo. He's one of my favorite um, uh, players in this uh, league. So in terms of the Raptors and the Heat, Jeff, do you think it's a product of them being in the East? Or do you think that, you know, come, you know, April, May, and June, that they, they could be two teams that could make some, you know, uh, noise? I, for, I thought you were going to say Charlotte. Charlotte's also been a bit of a surprise. I think people had them written off as the worst team in the league. And that team has showed up with a lot of heart this year. But right. um, in terms of those, so Toronto, I've been saying a little bit of a, system, little bit of a system team, uh, somewhat reminiscent to me of the Celtics that – you know, from Dwayne Casey to Nick Nurse to what Masai Ujiri has put together, it's a it's a well-run organization that shows up on day one and everyone seems to know their part, know their place, know what they need to do on the court. I think it comes, you know, most of those guys were on the championship team last year. So they show back up. They trust in the process of this team. So, um, yeah, you need to fill Kawhi Leonard's role and Pascal Siakam um, has been, you know, outstanding and I think that that's where you just kind of insert this team and go. I don't think they're going to win a championship, but I think that um, they they have the pedigree and the 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 blueprint to just stick around. The Heat, as you said, a surprise. And and I think that Jimmy Butler's smile. You know, I'm just imagining him listening to something like this and smiling because we all thought he was just going to Miami for a South Beach vacation and to cash right. his check and probably retire. You know, he's hitting the right. he's hitting his thirties. And he's played outstanding. That team has put together Tyler Hero. I think it's Hero, right? Not Hero. I don't want to screw up. I gotta. You gotta get to know him better. Uh, but but he's been. And and they got the other guy, the other rookie, who I I really need to uh, to nail my names on Miami as I'm looking right now. Kendrick but, Nunn. Yeah, Kendrick Nunn, who scores. The fact that they right. I'm looking right now. He's averaging 17.8 points a game. So and and Hero's averaging 13.3. So. When you have these young guys, that that's to me that's the difference of the team because we didn't expect these rookies to do what they're doing so far. And as I even say this, I got to watch more Heat because it's just like one of those things where you keep checking the box score and you're like, "Whoa, look at this!" Right? You know, this team this team can play, and we we weren't supposed to watch them a lot. They weren't supposed to be on national TV that much, and now all of a sudden we got to pay attention. But, but like I said, um, with uh, I said before, I said uh, that the Nets would set themselves up well if they don't have to play the Bucks or the Celtics. Because to me, even with these two surprise teams that we just mentioned, I think the Bucks and the Celtics are on a different playing field in the Eastern Conference. Absolutely. Absolutely right there. Jeff talked a lot about basketball. For the quick couple minutes that we have here still, mm-hmm. let's move over to football right now. Okay. I know you're a Giants fan. Sure. I know you're a Giants fan and what has gone on. Believe me, I'm a Jets fan, and Sean's a Titans fan. All right, look, the Titans, look at this. The the AFC uh, South is wide open. It's wide open, baby. That's right, wide open. <laughs> a- absolutely, it's wide open. And for the Jets right now, regardless or not, they're still mathematically in it. They still are, somewhat to a degree. I know many people are like, you know what? Eh, I'm going to cancel my subscription on the Jets here. But 1% chance, hey, you're not out of it until you're mathematically out of it. But with the Giants, what's your take on them this season, Jeff? Um, I mean, look, I think everyone at the beginning of the year, you know, similar to the Knicks, right? Mm-hmm. The Giants, it's let the young guys go and see what happens. Uh, you get Daniel Jones in there. Uh, he wins both his first two games, right, against the Bucks and then against the Redskins. Um, 
Giants knew they were going to hit a hard schedule after that. Patriots, Vikings, Cowboys, some of the teams coming through for him. Uh, he's he's definitely shown. You know, it's not. You watch some of the quarterbacks in this league, and you're like, this team has no chance. Right. You know, this guy can't advance the ball. Daniel Jones has looked good. Um, it points. I know he's turned the ball over too much, but at least you get excited when you watch that he can throw the ball down the field, right? Yes. He's not throwing off his back foot the same way some other quarterbacks in this league are. Uh, the defense needs to get tighter. Saquon needs to get healthier. Sterling Shepard hasn't been healthy. Evan Ingram hasn't been healthy. You're just trying to get guys on this young team some reps. That's um, it. Build for the future. And you make a trade for a guy like Leonard Williams. and That I didn't understand. From the Jets' perspective. Well, well from, from the, the Giants' perspective. No, from the, for both perspectives. From the Jets' perspective, you need to get draft capital. I get that. But for the Giants at that point in time, I the don't Giants, know. The Giants thought they're buying low on a guy. All right, so the Giants are thinking the, the thing with football, unlike basketball, right? We've talked a lot about basketball. Right. Football, you can turn your team over within a year or two years. Football, the rebuild the rebuilding process is much quicker. Partly because I mean, look, guys like you know, the average career is what, three years? Three years. So you're looking at guys where you can just bring in the next crop of and it's not always the skill guys that we talk about, it's just making a few linebacker changes and all of a sudden you got fresh legs the next year. So with the Giants, I mean they're looking at this. They're looking at Daniel Jones as the quarterback of the future. He's got skills. Throw him out there the same way. Remember the I know he, he struggled, but but Jared Goff in his first year. They threw right. him out there, just let him go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know Deshaun Watson got hurt that first year, but it's kind of like just look, Look, Lamar Jackson last year. I mean, they just they ended up making the playoffs, but they said, let's give this, let's let this rookie get his reps in and look how much better he is from season one to season two. Absolutely. And again, they made the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he was he was bad, but they didn't beat the Chargers in that playoff game. Right. And I think it'd be different this time around. Absolutely. Um I think that you know you're you would you're 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 getting Daniel Jones' reps, you you Saquon Barkley, get him healthy whatever that takes. And then you're just trying to work towards something. The Giants are going to have another great pick. They're going to be able to, to, to go to free agents this offseason and finally say, look, we've got, a, we've got a blueprint here. And by the way, that NFC East division, it's not very good. It's not. So you got a chance. You, you can, if you can get yourself to a 10-6 and six team last year, you, next year, you might win the division. Jeff, I love the optimism here with the Giants, but they had to figure out something with their coaching situation right now. You don't like Pat Shermer? I'm not a fan of him. I think, I, I think my, my problem is, and I'm, I, I'm not out on Pat Shermer, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you look at the way that some of these coaches walk in in the NFL and they give guys they're, they're energy guys. I mean, right with Sean McVay with the Rams, with uh, with Matt Nagy with the the Bears, not this year. I right, mean, last they, year. They, both those guys, both those coaches looked miserable on Sunday night. But at least right. w- they got their teams to the playoffs last year, and Sean McVay got the Rams to the playoffs in his first two years. And you, they walked in and they gave this team just kind of a modern sort of you know energy about them we're gonna we're gonna change up the playbook we're gonna get guys we're gonna have be looser in the locker room and stuff like that and and i don't feel like pat Shermer's necessarily i think he's a very x's and o's skilled you know guy i don't think he's necessarily connecting to the players gotcha but if he can do you know he 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 drew up some schemes in the with the vikings and that was a better offense when he was there than it is now so he's clearly got you know, someone there. And the question that you have to ask, like we're asking with David Fisdale is, has he not had the personnel yet? Mm-hmm. And is it fair to judge a guy who hasn't had a legitimate quarterback necessarily right. yet? Right. Hey, see what happens, man. You know, real quick, though, let's get to picks 
for his second oh, year. Oh, I haven't even. What All are right. we picking? I got to look. Let's go with picks. We're going to make it quick. Football? Short, football? Football picks. All right. Short and sweet, okay? All right. Colts at Texans. Yes. Thursday night football game, 820. Colts are 3-0 versus the AFC South opponents this season. Sean, who do you have in this game? Well, short and sweet. I always take the home team on Thursday night. Give me Houston. Jeff? Uh, Texans. I think that they'll they'll bounce back from that from that bad loss. Clean sweep across the board here with the Houston Texans. Moving on now to this first set of 1 o'clock games. You have the Oakland Raiders coming to New York to play the New York Jets here. Jets aren't out of it, but the Raiders are fighting for that playoff spot. Sean, who do you have in this game? Well, you said it was the... Raiders and the Jets. Jets are the home team. Well, I, I hate picking West Coast teams that come east, but... Raiders, man. The Raiders are playing well. I think the Raiders. I think Josh Jacobs has established himself as a top 10 running back in this league. Upset special. Give me the Jets at home. Of course. Of course. The Jet fans saying that. I like their top run defense, too. Moving on now to the uh, Seahawks and the Eagles. You have the Eagles being the home team this week. Guys, who do you have in this game? Go ahead, Sean. Eagles, well, Eagles, I think that this is the last stand for the East because I think the Cowboys could, you know, a real of a couple wins. Give me Philly at home. I think the Seahawks. I think the Eagles are lost. And I think I read today, right, Deshaun Jackson has played one game. He has 18% of the receiving yards for the Eagles. That team is a problem. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to go with the Seahawks, too, here. Russell Wilson's your MVP and the Eagles right now. Their secondary is really depleted. So give me the Seahawks on the road. Moving on now to the Lions at the Redskins here. I, I think this is a clean sweep across the board here. Give me the Lions at home. Sean, who do you have? Uh, on the road, excuse me. Who do you have in this game? Yeah, well, yeah, well Sean, sure sweet. Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. Their, their defense is better than people think. It is. It is. Matt Patricia is doing a good job up there. Just they got to figure something out with the offense. But, you know, Matt Stafford's been hurt. You know, just got to figure it out. Moving on now to the Panthers and the Saints. Saints are the home team here, eight and two. Panthers five and five. Can the Panthers find a way to keep their playoff hopes alive? No. Well, give me the Saints. Saints come marching in. Well, they're home, so give me the Saints. Yeah, Saints. Yeah. Saints still have a chip on their shoulder after that Falcons game. I mean, they're trying to get the one seed right now. Yeah, clean sweep across the board here. Going to go with the Saints as well. Moving on now to the Miami Dolphins going up against the Cleveland Browns. Browns are four and six. Dolphins are two and eight. Can the Browns keep their playoff hopes alive here going up against the resurgent Miami team somewhat to a degree? Somewhat. Somewhat. Yeah, well, give me a, a, a Cleveland. I feel like they're playing playoff uh, football every week because they kind of have to. So give me the Browns. Then I know they're only, I think they're one game better than the Jets, but the Browns legitimate, the, the last spot in the AFC East could be eight and eight. They're not out, and I think they get the job done. Going to go with the Browns here, too. Going to be a close, closer game than what people expect, but I wouldn't be surprised there if the uh, Miami Dolphins keep it close. So give me the Browns at home. Moving on now to the Steelers going up against the Bengals. The Steelers have won nine straight games versus the Bengals, including the playoffs. Uh, Bengals looking for their first win still. Guys, who do you have in this game? Blowout, blowout, Pittsburgh. Upset special. I'm going to go Cincinnati here. I think that post-Mason Rudolph, that team's a little shook. He just threw four picks. I think that Bengals defense does enough in a in a grinded-out 10-9 win. Ooh, I like that. 10-9. I like that. You know what? Let's go with the Bengals, too, here, getting their first win. They're gonna. It's going to be like you said, Jeff. It's going to be close. Give me the 
Bengals at home. Moving on now to the Giants at the Bears. Bears, 14.3 points per game since week eight. That's the third fewest in the NFL. Guys, who do you have in this game? Sorry, Jeff, but start Mitchell Trubisky in fantasy because the Giants defense is horrible. Go Bears. We'll see if Mitch plays. Um, I'm still going to take the Bears with all due respect to the Giants only because uh, Soldier Field such a tough place to play. It'll be cold. It'll be, again, you want to talk about a low-scoring game. This thing might be 9-7 Bears. Yeah, going to go with the Bears here, too, keeping it short and sweet there. Moving on now to the Broncos and the Bills. Josh Allen has five straight games without an interception. Uh, guys, who do you have in this game? Well, give me the Bills. You know, um, um, that was a nice rebound win against the Dolphins. I think they make it two in a row. Give me the, the Bills at home. Bills are better than people think. That record is no fluke. The Broncos looked impressive in that last game, but I just you, you talk, Sean, about the West Coast. I don't see them coming all the way to Buffalo and, and getting a win. Right. Yeah, clean sweep across the board over here. Broncos really don't have a quarterback. You know, Josh, uh, John, Joe Flacco, excuse me, Joe Flacco wound up getting hurt, and he's out for the year. Allen versus Allen in that game. Yeah. Quarterbacks. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty interesting uh, case over there. Allen versus Allen, spy versus spy. So give me the pills on that one. Uh, moving on now to the Buccaneers and the Falcons here. Both teams are 3-7. and seven. Falcons have five consecutive wins against the Buccaneers. Sean, who do you have in this game? Falcons have also won two in a row off a of bye. Make it three. Give me the Falcons. Uh, Falcons won both those games against the other two teams in the division on the road. Now they're coming back. I'm sure most Falcons fans sold these tickets. Now they're buying them back off StubHub. Uh, I think this is finally the game that Jameis Winston gets benched because I just, I'm just i seeing three interceptions in the first half. <laughs> so Falcons for you, Jeff. Falcons, yes. Falcons, okay. Going to go with the Falcons here too. Moving on now to the Jaguars and the Titans. Sean's team, the Titans, they're 5-5. Five and five. Jaguars are 4-6. and six. Can they keep their playoff hopes alive and their AFC title dreams alive here in this matchup? Go Ryan Tannehill. And Derrick Henry is, is going to go crazy. Give me my, my Titans at home. I was insistent on the Jaguars at the start of the season winning this division. But even with Nick Foles, they haven't shown enough. Um, I, I think the Titans are just they're just going to keep hanging around. And as you know, Sean, Tennessee, tough place to play. That's right. Very, very tough. Absolutely. And, you know, Nick Foles, man, you mentioned Nick Foles, Jeff. He's been hurt through the first couple weeks of the year. Kind of give him a pass on that, even though he signed the big contract deal. Who knows what's going to happen over there? But... With that said, give me the Titans. I think they're going to be very, very hungry for a W and trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. This might be the game of the day here in uh, in New England. You have the Cowboys coming up to New England to play the Patriots. 9-1 and one Patriots going up against the 6-4. and four. Cowboys, fellas, who do you have in this game? This is a tough, tough, tough matchup, Will, but... I can't pick against Tom Brady at home, so give me the Patriots. That's that's the thing. This game is at home. Uh, you know, you really – and I'm taking the Patriots. The Cowboys are really lucky that that division is not doing so well because they're just – they're going to be 6-5 and five and still be pretty clear in my mind in that division. Yeah, absolutely, man. Give me the Patriots too, keeping it short and sweet, although it might be a closer game than what many people might realize in that one. So give me the Pats at home. Moving on now to the Packers and the 49ers here. Uh, you know, I mentioned the game of the day with Dallas and, uh, and New England. This might be the game of the day right here. Both teams right now basically fighting for that top spot in the NFC. Fellas, who do you have in this game? 
Well, I think Aaron Rodgers goes on the road to the team that should have drafted him in the first place. Ooh. And I think he gets it done. Give me the Packers on the road. Upset yeah, special. Yeah, right. Basically a home game for Aaron Rodgers back in the Bay Area. Um, right. I, I think that I'm going to go Green Bay too. The 49ers have finally got tested in the last two weeks. It took a while, but they got tested. They lost that close game to Seattle. They really had to fight to get back against Arizona. And I think people just keep sleeping on Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's afraid to take on that 49ers defensive line. You know what? Clean sweep across the board here. Another close game here as well. And Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't really looked that good over the past couple of weeks. But, you know, that's whether here nor there. Give me the Packers on the road. And finally, our Monday night football game. We have the Ravens going to California in Los Angeles to play the 6-4 and four St. Louis Rams. Uh, St. Louis Rams. Wow. Los Angeles Rams. Excuse me. I'm so used to them being in St. Louis still. It's only been a couple of years since they moved to Los Angeles. L.A. Rams, Baltimore Ravens. Ravens are the road team. Fellas, who do you have in this game? Well, give me the Rams at home only because I think they're playing for the playoff lives. But, well, I disagree. I think Lamar Jackson is ahead in the MVP race, not Russell Wilson. But I think we both know it's probably going to come down to those two. But give me the Rams at home. I think the Rams are too banged up. I think Lamar Jackson puts the Rams fans, the the few Rams fans that are in attendance in L.A., out of their misery. I think it's going to be, I think the Coliseum is going to be rocking, not even with Ravens fans. I really think Lamar Jackson is a phenomenon right now where I think you're going to have people in L.A. It's a Monday night game, so it's a solo. You're not missing any other NFL to go. I think it's packed with Lamar Jackson fans. Not Ravens fans. Not necessarily. I mean, I think there'll be a lot of Ravens fans there because in L.A. you're going to get transplants for every team. Yes. But I think there's going to be a special sort of energy that I think that people... Lamar Jackson is a draw right now. He's mm-hmm. the most exciting player in the NFL. And I think he ignites the Rams in a blowout. Ravens blowout. Win. Blowout. Blowout. Wow. Okay. That Rams team looked horrendous the other night. I'm going to have to go with the... I'm going to have to go with the Ravens too here. I'm going to have to go with the Ravens, too. One of the best offenses. What more can you want? What more can you say? The Rams, on the other hand, they, they just, they're trying to find a way. And they, after they picked up Jalen Ramsey, it seemed like everything was working for them. But on that note, give me, the, give me the Ravens on the road, too, here as well. That does it for our picks here. And as far as teams on the bye, teams on the bye go like this. I think the, the Chiefs. The Cardinals, the Chargers, and the Vikings are all on a bye. So, on that note, those are our picks. Jeff, thank you for coming on. No problem. Thanks and talking sports me. with us. You're always welcome on the show again, bud. Much appreciated for you to sacrifice some of your time to come no on the show. No sacrifice. No fa- sacrifice. It's fun, guys. Awesome, man. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Jeff, before we leave, Uh-oh. it's a simple I'm ready. It's a simple question. Yes. How do the people follow you on social media? Uh, that's a good question. At Jeff Eisenband on all social media. So J-E-F-F-E-I-S-E-N-B-A-N-D. A lot of NBA 2K League, a lot of basketball, a lot of football, a lot of whatever I'm thinking about on that day. And on Twitter, too, that's the same, same thing? thing. Everywhere, across the board, Jeff Eisenband. Across the board, on the board, on with the board. on the put board it, sports. Put it on the board. I like that Hawk Harrelson line over there, huh? Put it on the board. Yes. Love it. On that note. Sean, you have any final thoughts? No, Will. Awesome job putting on the fort. Shout out to Matt and Brianna Peters for Gotham. And Jeff, once again, thank you for coming on. And uh, I look forward to the 2K League season uh, starting up soon. You guys better come out for it. Oh, I definitely will. Definitely. Good. Definitely, man. Make the trek out from Long Island over, over to watch some 
people play some video games. I'm kind of used to that already. <laughs> I'm kind of used to that already. We all are. <laughs> On that note, for everybody here at Gotham Podcast Studios, for Matt Peters, the wonderful owner of Gotham Podcast Studios, controlling the ones and twos behind the glass here, and for Jeff Eisenband for coming on to our show. Thank you, Jeff. Always a pleasure. Always no welcome back on. And for my wonderful co-host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Sean T. I am your host, William Trucci, a.k.a. We'll see. Logging out. We will talk to you guys soon. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. For those people out there, we will be taking a week off, and we will see you guys in December. Peace out. Enjoy your turkey, and stay warm. <laughs>